Welcome to the Kingsview Church Podcast. Join us as we grow in our walk with Christ through a variety of different topics, including family ministry, in-depth study of scripture, parenting, apologetics, and other big ideas. I'm your host, Quentin. Let's get started. What's up, guys? Good to be back with you on Romans chapter 7. Been enjoying continuing to go through Romans, and I think that this chapter is going to be just as good. Um, by the time I'm recording recording this, it's like, I feel like there's a, I've got snow brain. We've been locked in the house for a week. We can't get out of our driveway. There's so much snow. It's been crazy. Um, I think my wife, Katie, is losing her mind. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's been fun to be with the family and spend some time um, so hopefully I can get out of my snow brain and think a little bit on Romans chapter 7. Um, but let's get started. So starting with this first five verses, really the first six verses. Uh, you know, he's talking about um, an illustration from marriage to explain the relation of a believer or the relationship of a believer dying to the law through Christ's death and sacrifice so that we can belong to Christ. So that's kind of a fancy way that he's using an illustration to demonstrate how we should be dying to our old self and living in newness of life with Christ, right? And it's continuing his topic. Like that's it's really what he's been talking about this whole time in Romans and he's kind of been reiterating it and, and driving that point home. Um, and so it's important for us to recognize why he continues to do this is because it's hard to, to do this. It's hard to live that way. It's not, it's not as easy as it is just saying like, yeah, die to your old self. Like with that comes sacrifice and, and difficulty. And because we have died to our old selves, we should be bearing fruit for God. Okay, that's also what this is talking about. So let's read the first five verses and just and just take a look at it. Starting verse 1. Since I'm speaking to those who know the law, brothers and sisters, don't you know that the law rules over someone as long as he lives? For example, a married woman is legally bound to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law regarding the husband. So then, if she is married to another man... While her husband is living, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. Then, if she is married to another man, she is not an adulteress. So therefore, my brothers and sisters, you also were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another. You belong to him who was raised from the dead, Christ in order that we may bear fruit for God, so not for sin. Verse 5, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law, through the law working in us, to bear fruit for death. Alright, let's go on to verse 6. But now we have been released from the law since we have died to what held us, so that we may serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the old letter of the law. So as new creations, 
believers serve in newness with this new power of the Holy Spirit. That's something we've been talking about um, at Kingsview, just you know, even having community groups. Um, we talked about being empowered by the Holy Spirit and the same thing that we read in Scripture as we read the stories in Acts and the stories of Romans and and when Paul is teaching these people and when Peter is preaching the gospel and all the disciples are proclaiming the gospel and we see the Holy Spirit working in these mighty ways, well, that same Holy Spirit works and lives in the believer's life. Yet we don't rely on the Holy Spirit. And this is something that I personally am guilty of and it's hard for me. You know, naturally I want to just do everything on my own. I, I'm, I'm kind of a, an, an introvert or I like to figure out problems and solutions on my own and I like to do things on my own. I like to be alone. I'm not a super huge people person. Um, I love people, but I'm rejuvenated by being alone. And so when I think about this topic of trying to rely on somebody other than myself, it's hard for me. It's not natural for me. But what I've learned in my life and what I think God is continuing to to teach me is that the more I rely on myself, the more I fail. Because exactly why he's saying is when we rely on ourselves, we are bottled up in this sin problem. We have this sin problem that we cannot get rid of. The only way that we can survive, you know, this life in the way that God wants us to live is by relying on the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit in us. And it's just so crazy to me that we have the power of Almighty God, the God who created all of creation, did all of these things, knows us better than we even know ourselves. We have a relationship with Him. And yet we don't want to, or we don't strive for that, or we don't even pay attention to that. We aren't aware of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And one of the ways that I've tried to be, you know, attentive of the Holy Spirit working, because I think, again, that's something that we, we don't really pay attention to. You know, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, but we never recognize it because we're not looking for it. And so one of the things that I try and do is I try and write write things down, write prayers down. And so I can go back and when I look, I'm like, oh man, you know, God was really working here. And I didn't didn't really know it, but man, he really did come through, you know? And and when we when you go back and think about those things or when you you meditate on those things of the Holy Spirit, you realize, wow, God it really has done a lot for me and I just think that's something that's so missed or um, not thought about or not utilized in today's Christian culture it's the power of the Holy Spirit to move and work and change our lives we can have the same church the same fire the same spirit that we read in Acts and Romans and all of these cool stories and, and not saying that God's going to you know, make it snow in the summer or do these weird miracles or, or crazy things, but the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us is an amazing gift that we need to be attentive of. Let's go on in, in verse 7 through 8. 
So sin's use of the law is what we're talking about. So let's start. What should we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, do not covet. And sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, producing in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Alright, so let's pause and let's kind of of break down what this is talking about. The law in and of itself is not sin. But he's saying that the law reveals where we are sinful. The law is the standard and the law shows us how we do not meet that standard. That it reveals the sin in our lives. That's That's the purpose of the law. So the law of itself is not sin. And Paul gives this example of when he talks about he talked about coveting. Like the law says do not covet. And Paul wouldn't have known that. Paul wouldn't have known not to covet unless the law showed him that his coveting was wrong and told him that it was wrong. But then he brings up this interesting dilemma in verse 8. And I think it's so it's so true today. Is that he, he begins to talk about how like yeah, the law shows me that coveting is wrong. But because I know coveting is wrong, and my natural self, my natural instinct is to do sinful things, is to do the wrong thing. Because the law tells me that coveting is wrong, I want to covet. It's this, it's this crazy thing that happens in our lives is when we know something is wrong, it's like, ooh, I want to see if I can get away with that. An easy example of this is, it's like we see that in the way that we see this to be true is that like let's say you know, somebody leaves the room and says let's think about a child you know I leave, I leave the room and I leave Easton with this cookie right in front of him and I say do not eat this cookie he would probably cry because he loves food right and he doesn't he started to know when I'm getting on to him or when he's in trouble and he starts to cry when he's in trouble which is so sad such a baby but I can't stand it. Um, I'm going to have to learn to, to be mean. But anyway, I say, do not eat this cookie. And then as soon as I leave the room, what do you think is going through Easton's mind? Saying, man, I really want this cookie. I think that I can get away with this. Why did he say not to eat the cookie? Is it going to hurt me? I think it'll be okay. He's not going to be back for a while. I can eat this cookie. You know what, I'm not, I'm not supposed to eat this cookie. Okay, I'm gonna eat this cookie. It's just right in front of me, I can get it. And then cookies, like, right, all we think about is the wrong thing that we've been told we can't do. It's just natural for us. And that's kind of the point that Paul is making in verse eight. He's saying the law, while it seems like it's making us sin, it's really not. It's just showing us where we are failures to our sin. And because we've been told something that we can't do, Naturally, because our sinful desires are, are natural, they're there, they're a part of us. When we are told not to do something, we want to do it. It's just this naturally, and that cookie example is just a silly example, but, but really when we bring this into a bigger context of like some of the bigger stuff in our lives, like the sins that we deal with or the problems that we deal with in our lives, we are the same way. We focus so much on 
the temptation of our sin and we think about our sin and we, we focus on our sin problem and, and whatever that is and we're constantly you know, guilty and ashamed and we're thinking about the sin man I just can't get away from this I just want I just want to get away from this and do this and do this and do this I keep failing and failing and failing and we're constantly thinking about do not do this do not do this do not do this and what do we end up doing we're because we're constantly thinking about the sin that we shouldn't be doing we are constantly tempted by the sin that we should not do because it's constantly on our minds right so what do we need to do we need to focus on going back to the beginning of Romans chapter 7, bearing good fruit and walking in newness of life and having this relationship with the creator of all things and and the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us and focus on those things. And what begins to happen in our life? Well, the Holy Spirit begins to teach us and guide us and show us right from wrong and teach us how to bear good fruit and when we focus on doing those things you know those sin problems that are so prevalent that were so prevalent in our minds they become less of a focus and they become a back burner you know yes we're still going to sin we're still going to fail but when we're focused we shift our focus to Christ and the newness of life and walking with him those things become less in our lives that's a part of the transformation or sanctification a fancy word of saying that, of what it means to be a Christ follower, is we're moving away from our old self into this new creation with Christ, right? And so that's that's what Paul is explaining through that example, and that's how that's its relationship to the law. The law shows us that we are sinners, that we need a savior, right? So let's go on to verse nine through ten. Once I was alive, apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life again, and I died. The commandment that was meant for life resulted in death for me. Right? So, there are a lot of interpretations on what exactly Paul is talking about here, whether he's talking about his personal transformation or just any Hebrew before the giving of the law on Mount Sinai to Moses. But the basic point in all of that's just a couple of the interpretations here but the basic point is the same that this is god's intent and the law was life god's intent in the law was life it was good but sin deceived man by the law just as he was explaining these previous verses so sin deceived man by the law and brought death you know it goes back to this very basic apologetic question why is there evil in the world why did god create you know a world where there could be evil entered into it or did he mean for adam to make a mistake did he set adam up for failure right and it's tackling some of those tough questions and the fact is that god created the law to be life-giving to be good but it was our failure it was sin's deceiving power that man brought death right it was not the law itself the law itself was good but it was the failure to meet the law that brought death right so it was it's not god's creation that was messed up it was it was our choice to mess up that messed up right to to be a, a very simplified answer to that question so verse 11 through 12 
for sin seizing an opportunity, we see that again. That was what we talked about in, in verse 8. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just, and good. So there's that. He's bringing that up. It's like, so even though the law points out our failures, the law is good, and holy, and just. And so we've seen this pattern that's kind of interesting um, that I want to bring out is the pattern of him saying for sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment. So through the law, sin, seizing an opportunity. And it made me think about just this, how life is, is that, man, we are in a constant spiritual warfare and, and it's, it's just sin doesn't, sin doesn't sleep. It's always there. It's like Satan is always looking for an opportunity for sin, seizing an opportunity to, he's just always looking for a way to attack us. It's just constant. And so it, it, it drives home the fact even more that we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our thoughts, guide and direct us and and give us wisdom in all things. Every day we need to be praying for the Spirit to guide us and understand what it means to follow Christ. And I have to pray this every day. I have to pray like, God, teach me what it means to follow you. You know, because what, you know, the way walking with Christ works is like you think you have it figured out one day and then the next day you don't. You realize you were, you were wrong, right? It's like you're constantly growing and understanding really what it means to follow Christ. And it's this constant growth that happens in us. What comes with that is this constant attack from Satan to get us to go the wrong direction, to get us off the right path, right? So we need to be aware of that, that sin is always seizing an opportunity and looking for an opportunity to, to attack us. So we need to be on guard. Verse 13 says, Therefore, uh, did what is good become death to me? Absolutely not. On the contrary, sin, in order to be recognized as sin, was producing death in me through what is good. So that through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. So this is really wordy and confusing. And here, here's basically what this is saying. And it's, it's a cool story because this is the gospel. This verse is laying out the gospel. The question he asks is, did the good law cause death? Like, did the good law, that, that, that kind of what we were talking about earlier, did the good law cause death? And sin used something good to bring human death. God used the law to accomplish his purpose to show us that we are sinners. So, right, that's the reason for the law. So God used the law to accomplish his purpose to show us that we are sinners and then point the sinner to the only remedy, which is how he opened this chapter. It's Christ. The only remedy to our sin problem is Christ. And which leads right into this last section. And it's kind of, a, it's, it's really just a big section. And it's talking about our sin problem, verses 14 through 25. And this section addresses the problem of sin in us. So I'm going to read it. Um, it it, it, it kind of gets wordy. Um, so 
you know, follow along or, or try and keep up, and, and I'll break it down, and we'll kind of talk about it um, as, we, as I finish this out. So I'll read this last part. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave to sin. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is, it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, my, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discover this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in, the, in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. I'm going to pause on, on the, last, the last verse. So I read through verse 24. And again, this can get pretty wordy. And he kind of goes back and forth. And, and really, we can get in the weeds on kind of listing out every single thing, verse by verse, of what he's saying. But in all, what Paul is describing, it happens to us every day, whether we know it or not. And I think if we take a second to reflect, we recognize that this, that this happens to us. But Paul is describing this internal warfare of his soul that is going on constantly. His soul is just constantly going back and forth. He talks about knowing what he should be doing and because of his flesh or his sin, his natural sinful desires, he doesn't do what he should do. And even though he doesn't want to do evil, he does evil knowing that it's wrong. Even though he knows what is right, but he just, it's just, he's describing this warfare that is happening in his soul and this, this constant spiritual warfare of knowing what is right, but still failing because he's sinful, right? It, but then he stops and he says, thanks be to God, right? And he describes this, I think verses 21 through 24 describes the perfect you know what he's trying to to explain with this back and forth and he recognizes and i think we all recognize this constant battle in our hearts and fighting our failures and getting maybe getting frustrated with ourselves or maybe even getting frustrated with god and just not understanding like you know we just get in this pattern of gosh i just constantly fail like i can't do anything right and we get frustrated with ourselves. Like, I've been there, right? We just don't get why this is happening. Well, it should be an encouragement that Paul, you know, somebody that we know to be this amazing Christian, right? Amazing follower of Christ and this amazing presentation of the gospel and all of these things. And he deals with this, right? He's dealing with this turmoil in his heart and saying, man, I can't, I can't do what I want to do. And I... I, I do what I don't want to do, right? Um, it is this constant battle. And and we have this in our life. And I don't want us to get frustrated. 
And I want us to remember that even in previously in Romans, we talked about how there's joy in this battle. There's joy in affliction because where there's this battle and we recognize it, it's because growth is taking place. God is trying to move us along in our faith and in our walk with Him. And I want to encourage us and say, like, this battle is normal. It is a part of the Christian life that we are trying to to navigate and follow the Holy Spirit in His leading and His teaching and His guidance, right? That's what we have to pray for. And so he finishes in verse 25 by saying this, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. He finishes with that like, here's what it is. It's this constant battle. But Paul recognizes that, man, it's only by God, it's only by Christ that I can get through this. And so to close kind of these thoughts is, in our own lives, we need to maybe take a, take a second this week and, and jot down, like, you know, how, how's the Holy Spirit teaching me right now? What is God trying to teach me through Romans or through what maybe a personal study or maybe just maybe another podcast you listen to? What is God teaching you right now? What is he trying to show you right now? What does this constant warfare look like in my own soul, in my own life? Am I being on guard to, you know, Satan's attacks or the things that you know, he's trying to seize these opportunities in my life. Now, let's be aware of this spiritual warfare of life. Because when we're aware of it and we're attentive of how the Holy Spirit is working and how those things are constantly happening in our lives, we are better on guard and better followers of Christ and bearing good fruit because of it. And we also grow in Christ because of those things. So I hope this, this helps Um, You understand Romans 7 a little bit more, um, and hopefully this challenges you and maybe, you know, moves you along and and, and helps you in in some way outside of Romans 7, just in your your life personally. Um, I know that it's challenged me and some of those thoughts of, you know, Paul dealing with this has really challenged me, so I'm going to continue to meditate and think about this um, throughout this week. So until next time, I'll catch you guys later.